Hello, this podcast is brought to you by Babies, the beginning of a new life and the ending of yours. Go to www.sex.com for an exciting behind-the-scenes look at how this product is made. Welcome to Down by the River. This is Terrence Hartnett. I'm your host. Um, We are back in Chicago. This is Chicago interview number two. This is with Joe Noodleman. Noodleman and I used to do comedy together in Chicago. He used to host my favorite Chicago comedy podcast. It was called The Comedy Butcher. He hosted it with previous guest Max Friedman, and they talked about food and about wanting to quit comedy basically the entire time. So it was a pretty fun podcast. Joe's great at talking, and he is very thoughtful about comedy and about life. And um, I wanted to talk to him about his new baby because he kind of quit comedy or whatever, took a hiatus in order to have uh, sweet little Ella, um, his baby. So we talked in his place uh, on, on the west side. We talked outside of his house, um, and it was good to see Joe. He's gotten also he's gotten into day trading lately. So we talk about day trading. I think you're gonna like this interview if you're a, an old parent, new parent, old parent, my parent. Um, hi, mom. Thanks for listening. Um, so this is my interview with Joe Noodleman. Uh, enjoy. Um, and if you do enjoy, please, please, please rate this podcast, rate and review this podcast, rate and review this podcast. Take two minutes and please not even two minutes. Okay. Um, thank you so much for listening and take it away, Steve. Down, down, down by the Uh, today I traded um, uh, Taiwan semiconductors, uh, a solar panel company, and I'm not sure. What, I know what the ticker is, but I don't know what they actually do. <laughs> <laughs> so all you know is like the two or three oh, letters. I, I, yeah, I don't care what they do as a business. I'm I'm trading like the pattern on the chart. You're looking at the trends. Yeah, so I'm just saying like, right, what is this pattern indicate is likely to happen? I don't care what the company does or what they sell. And are you are you taking information from somebody else, or are you just using the raw info to make your decisions? Uh, I'm using just the raw info based on like my own system that I built. But it's I learned how to trade. Like I paid for courses from like experts who really yeah. Whoa. And like there's a lot of grifters, and even like the the how ones, yeah. Can yeah. You, I can't even imagine <clears throat> how many people like you can make so much money probably just duping people who want to day trade. Oh yeah, uh, one of the first system I bought was just that uh, <laughs> uh, like it's not that it's just like nonsense information but it's it's just all it's all sales hype of like yeah. how quick you can turn it around how much how much money you can make how quickly and like there are people who do that but that's just not going to be you it's generally going to take you two or three years maybe more maybe less but to like get to the point where like you you learn how to build a system whether you follow someone else's or build your own and you can just do that profitably yeah so i learned from other people how to how they built their systems and it just took up until like literally like six weeks ago like thanksgiving is when things kind of started to click where i built my own system as like an offshoot of what they did so you you looked at people did you buy these systems or did you yeah okay it's like a what, you buy like a like a class. You like yeah, you buy a, a series of online courses. You woke up this morning, day traded before the baby got up. Uh, no, we all got up about the same time at like six thirty. Six thirty. Yeah. And you get a cup of coffee. No, I don't drink coffee. Have you, have you quit coffee? Or I never drink coffee. You never drink coffee. I mean, I've had it before, but it was never <laughs> habitual. I made the decision when I was like fifteen. I'm never doing this. Why? 
because every adult I knew who drank it had to have it. But you can get it wherever you want. No, but my point being is like they could not function without it. Yeah. So it's like, well, I don't want to be someone who cannot function without this thing. So yeah. I'm just going to not have it because I'm fine without it now. I, at 15, I was. And I'm still fine now. Do you have any caffeinated beverage in the morning? No. No. Tea? It's water. pretty much always water. Wow. Like I've, I'll drink tea sometimes, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, okay. That's great. That is very, that is so Joe Noodleman to be like, well, it makes sense to not have it, so I'm not going to have it. Well, it's nice that that's how people see me. <laughs> And you traded a couple Japanese... Wait, a solar... The one was Taiwanese. They're not all the same. <laughs> <laughs> a couple Asian companies were traded. Whatever. There's a billion of them. That's no, just China. The, the, okay. Yeah, Chinese people. Oh, boy. We were better off when the garbage truck was here, honestly. Well, um, speak for yourself. I think I'm getting the groove. Yeah, you are, you're, getting, you're, you're snapping. You're fucking snapping on it now. But so you said you clicked... You said you had to click... Yeah, around Thanksgiving, you're at your own system. You found out who the charlatans were that were teaching you how to day trade and whatever. Well, those are separate. Like, figuring out these people are full of shit. Like, you knew that pretty quickly. Like, I bought a system over a year ago. That was the first okay. one. And it took a few months. Like, ah, I don't really, I'm not happy that I bought this. With the intention of full of being a full-time day trader? Uh, Yeah, I understood it was going to take a while. I, th I thought, like, oh, six months, I can maybe figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and it's taken more, like, closer to a year and a half. Yeah. And I'm still not there. Um, Like, I'm nowhere there close. There being, like making your full income. They're being like, oh, I make enough trading that I can live off of this. Yeah. Like, I'm not there yet. My, my projection is now, hopefully, if things continue to progress the way they have been, I'll, I'll be there by summer, maybe by the end of the year. But there's a good chance of that. Uh, but, like, I knew within the first few months, like, oh, there's a lot of people who are full of shit with this. But only in the last, like, at Thanksgiving was, like, I built my own system. Like, I don't do what anyone else does anymore. So, yeah, how, how does that come in? How does that come in? How do you know you have your own system? How did that work? Uh, you fail enough. And I mean, it's like, it, it, I mean, it's like stand up where you just kind of get tired of, of bombing and you're like, why don't I just do the thing that works yeah. instead of doing all the things I want to work? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. A hundred percent. You have that feeling of like, oh, this should work. Well, it's like, why don't I do the version of this that actually gets the laugh? Instead of forcing of it. Yeah, yeah. You meet them halfway a little bit. It's yeah. like, okay, well you love this bit. Okay. I'll do that bit. I'll make it longer. I'll do a bit like that bit instead of being like, yeah, like I'm not like, I figured out like, I'm not a weird guy, even though I like weird comedy and I have weird comedy ideas like like i used to do like poems so once in a while okay. uh and then, and then it's just like listen buddy no one wants to hear a poem <laughs> no and also your poems aren't you know what i mean like you can't be like sarah squirm who does an insane po what not it's not poetry but she'll do like a crazy rap or like a chant it's like a, a four minute chant or like a fake she took a fake um a fake meditation for 10 minutes and everyone's laughing the whole time and it's oh, like yeah, sometimes i occur that stuff occurs to me stuff that's like that but um i I'm not weird enough to have those ideas work for me. I'm just impressed you have ideas. I know. <laughs> I know. Sometimes uh, this pretty head will come. Oh, oh push well, out. And humble too. And humble. <laughs> and humble and self-aware. That's the most important thing. Yep. <laughs> um, day trading. Okay, wait. So, what? Do, what do you mean clicking? Clicking like you're making enough money. Like you're like, okay, what? There's a week near Thanksgiving where it's like, well, if I made this much money every week, no, no, I'd no. be happy. Uh, it was more. It. What I say, like it started to click was what I need to do to con to consistently take solid trades, because my problem had been, and it still somewhat is, is I would take too many trades. Was like, well, I'm just taking this because I'm. Uh, I want to take something or I feel like I got to make money today. Yeah. So I take something with like this setup was pretty poor. This was not a good pattern. There's no reason to think this is going to go higher. And I just talked myself into taking something bad. So I developed my own 
uh, set of criteria for what a setup needs to have in order for me to be willing to take it. And it was my own rules. I didn't follow what anyone else was doing okay. anymore. Because other guys, because I found my way onto a Discord server with other people who are trading. Yeah. We've taken like the same. I took I took two courses. It took the second course, which was much better than the first one. Um, and they all, a bunch of them, started like being profitable and having their own takes on the system that we were all taught. And I'm like, I would get jealous that they're having they're they're making money even yeah. if it's like small small amount because you start with very small risk. Um, but I'm not. I, I keep losing. And I got to the point where it was almost where I was kind of just ready to quit. Uh, when was that? This was like just before Thanksgiving. Okay. Because it's like I'm looking at my results over the last like six months. Like this is garbage. Like this isn't like there's no there's no reason to believe I'm actually making progress if I just look at how much money I've lost in the last six months. Yeah. I mean it was seven hundred dollars. It's not like it's a ton of money. Okay. Because Good. I was gonna ask the number because of I was risk, because I was risking like ten dollars a trade. Okay. But it's like statistically like that's I'm down seventy risk units. Like yeah. seventy trades I'm down. That's that, there's nothing redeeming about this whatsoever. Yeah. Clearly something's not working. So why don't I do this? This thing that I think will work, and I can back test it. And I can look and see: had I done this for the last two weeks, look how much I would have made. Oh yeah, you so can look just, at the history. Yeah, so I can just do this there. differently. Why don't I just do this thing that I've thought about doing that I haven't done, and just do it? Because clearly, I'm trying to trade like other people isn't working for me. Yeah, and just yeah. And then the next week, it just that's so funny. You have to working. make it your own. It's yeah. like find your voice. <laughs> no, it's I thought about that exactly. It's exactly the same thing. What? It is exactly the same thing. But it, it, like you, it's okay. math though. Okay. It's just math. Yes and no. So I thought about it this way like with stand-up um everything is like stand-up isn't that great well i think my theory is everything is the same is that uh the process of learning anything is more or less the same it's just the the nouns are different yeah yeah like the the jargon but like the, the jargon is different but like the specifics of the different particular skills you need to learn like you need to learn how to be comfortable on stage right right that's a specific skill that you don't need to learn in other in other um skills but uh with the the crux of it is at the end of it you are learning in the very beginning of stand-up you are just doing an impression of your favorite stand-ups yep right i still think of bob keen is like i don't know last i don't know what he's doing now but last i saw him he was still doing doug stanhope <laughs> like all he i don't think he's aware he's doing it but i know his favorite comic is doug stanhope and that's all he knows how to do right and it's fine whatever that's what he wants to do that's and what he some wants comedians to do. like can yeah you can go pretty far yes if you yeah. can successfully imitate the stand-ups that are leaving a pressure upon you consciously or not you can be successful yeah but you won't be really good until you figure out how to do it your own way that's yeah. why comics talk about finding their own voice is they yeah. stopped imitating they started doing yeah trading is the same way like you can buy a system and learn to trade like someone else and be profitable but you'll never like really unlock your potential unless you figure out what you need to do for yourself that's what everyone talks about doing that's so but how is it individualized i don't understand because it's just numbers because it's much more robots like, do it because it's incredible algorithms do it it is true I, I know guys who program algorithms yeah. who are making who are making good money doing it um it's because so much of it is it seems ma like it's just math and on a certain level it is but it's also an incredible psychological game because you're trying to figure out yeah what people are gonna buy no no not right? just that but it's it's um it's about overcoming your own emotions and the gaining control over them because when i'm getting into a trade that i shouldn't be taking it's not i don't have there's no mathematical justification for it it's me but like oh man i think this is going to go higher so i, want, I don't want to miss it yeah whereas like well if i waited 10 minutes it would have given me a better entry and it would have worked instead i took an early entry and i lost that was that's a computer computer uh, sorry complete fear-based 
decision. And like today, I got out early in all three of my trades. They all made money, but I didn't hold to my target, which I was supposed to do. And so I should have made more money than I made today. Like it's still a good day. But you pulled out too early. Yeah, I just took my profit too early. Fear-based. Yeah, because of like the way one guy talks about it is your um, your fear of loss is bigger than your hope for gain. Yeah. And so you're making these wrong decisions. So only by adhering to your system at more or less optimum capacity will you make as much money as you can and like so everyone has a different capacity of what they're able to do to adhere to that system and everyone's system is going to be a little different based on what they can handle their own psychology so you're battling your own fear yeah everyone everyone who talks about trading who knows what they're talking about talks about this is a psychological game first and foremost it seems like it's not and you're dealing with your own psychology you're not yes. talking about the, the psychology of the math no like yeah. it, it matters that like the what the psychology of what other people are thinking matters too like that but that's kind of baked into the patterns you're looking at like there's something right. um, where hey this uh it's it's called a, a short squeeze where people who went short on a position meaning they're betting it going down and the stock is now way up today you are going to buy because you know there's a bunch of people who are just going to like shit they woke up this morning they're down a shitload of money yeah i just have to sell 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 it's going to drive the price way up yeah because they're selling okay right well sorry they have to buy to cover their positions because they were short and now it's just driving the price way up okay um so that's that's you're taking advantage of other people's fear and loss okay in that instance because that it, is their psychology right that's baking <clears throat> but that's baked into the pattern you're, you're playing but the ability to trade cons uh, successfully is based almost entirely on your ability to manage your own emotions and everyone who does trading and my, my dad was a trader oh really uh, he was he didn't trade stocks he traded uh, futures which I still don't understand he's tried to explain it a dozen times um, <laughs> but I've talked to him he's like yes it took uh, it took me a year to I, first year I was just break even he was before I started making him money and it's all a, it's it's it is a psychological game I, I told him I've had this problem like I, I'm getting out of my trades too early before they reach target he's like yeah that's a common problem and okay people just work their way through that and you solve that by adhering to your system where again the system says to stay in it for the rest for a few more yeah. hours like I'm trying to get to the point where I don't take anything that I'm not supposed to take and hoping that the results because I test everything what would happen if I did blank yeah I test a bunch of those and I my hope my hope is that if I only take the good setups that the math will just be so clear yeah like you'd be an idiot not to do it this way because it makes so much more money you're money balling it yeah yeah um and you you're done now it's like it's like 12 30 and you're done i was done day? trading at 9 15. so you're just like on the opening the, is that the yeah. goal uh most traders trade the open because there's that's when the most volatility is okay there are also traders who play like the close like the last two hours of the day um and i want to get to the point where i trade until like noon that's kind of my long-term goal is to trade like half the day <clears throat> But I also want to have be able to like walk away. Hey, I'm up a good amount today. I'm just going to stop. That is my question. Is doesn't it feel like you're a professional gambler? Oh, you are. But you're uh, the way it's always described is you get to be the casino. Is like instead of being the blackjack player, you're the blackjack dealer. So yes, you're going to lose a lot. But over time, you just need to win 51, 60 percent or whatever right. of the hands, and you're going to make money. So that's all this is. So it is gambling, but it's gambling based on a system that says you will make more than you lose. Like it's based on statistical evidence. It's not just right. over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just You'll I think this is going to go higher. It's like no, I have evidence that suggests this will go higher, and I might be wrong 49 percent of the time, but that's okay. Yeah. Um. So it's not gambling. Or it is gambling, it, but it, it's a system. Yes. I mean, I know it sounds like, oh, you're just, uh, 
uh, you're just justifying poor behavior. Like I know that's what it sounds like. Yeah, right. But that's not what it is. Um, but like, so if you have a system, why not just program that system into an algorithm and then just have it? I don't work know how itself? to code. Okay. Uh, that's one and two. Um, I'm basing it off of kind of like visual cues. Like I know guys. Oh, up and down. <laughs> Yes, yes, things go up. up. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, Yeah. visually, very very astute. Uh huh. Yes, yes, yes. But like, I know guys who base their who have algorithms based entirely on math. Yeah. Um, and it works for them. I just I don't know how to think that way, and I certainly don't know how to program. What's the visual though? Is it literally the the graph up and down? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're called candlestick charts, but they're consolidating uh, around like a certain indicator that I use, which tells me, oh, this is likely going to have this move now, so I'm going to buy here. Buy low, sell high. Okay. That's it, right? (laughs) I had no idea. I came here and talked to you about quitting comedy and having a baby. Uh, This is the same thing. Same thing. This is your new baby. Um, How old is Ella now? Uh, She is just over one. Her birthday is on December 19th. Okay, so last year, around this time, you had a a week-old baby. Or like a, no, two, Two, three week old. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you're not married, right? Oh, we are. You're married. Sorry. Yeah, I was insistent that all right, we're gonna try to get pregnant, and if we do, we're getting married. Oh, okay. So you did, you got pregnant as, after you got pregnant. You, you yeah, we got, got married hitched. at the uh, June twenty third. Was it a big deal? No, just uh, we went to the beach, uh, talked to each other, and then went to my sister's and who got ordained online, and that was it. Oh, really? You went yeah. to your sister's apartment? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we went to so the beach. Took, we went to the beach, took a photo. We went to um, what's the long room? Oh yeah, that's a sweet uh, little there's, bar. Because there's a um, a photo booth, and Becky wanted to get like our fo- like a wedding photo <laughs> in a photo booth. So we got so we did that. Were you dressed up? Yeah. Oh sweet. Were you wearing a suit? Yeah, I was wearing a suit. She was wearing a dress. We went to brunch afterwards. I actually yeah, I served a, br- a couple one time that we just got married, like low key married, um, and you know they got a free glass of champagne. Oh. Did nice. you get anything for free? No, I think I paid. Did you get anything for free? Well, I don't think we. I don't think we told them we just got married. Was well, it a big white dress or was it a normal dress? This is a normal dress. Uh-huh, okay. <clears throat> it was an obvious. I mean, someone at the at the beach was like, "Oh, congratulations," because they could tell what we were doing. Right. Uh, but for the most part, no one knew. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw someone getting uh, who was in a dress on a hike recently, and uh, we were like, "Congratulations!" And I was like, "I wonder how many people are doing that." I wonder if that was a special congratulations that I gave them, or oh. it was just like if it was just like a drop in the bucket of like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, thanks." Do you ever think they that. just got dressed up that way so that you could feel good about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is about. I mean, they're really the favorite of my imagine, imagination, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I needed to see someone in a dress that day, so I feel like the universe just gave that to me mm-hmm. um, as it slowly revolved around me. Uh, I'm happy you finally realized that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, quote unquote, Joe. Thank you very much. Well, that's my name, not Joe. <laughs> the part of me that's named Joe, sure. Uh, the part of my solipsistic, solipsistic universe. <laughs> Um, so you decided to have the baby. You wanted to have a baby. Mm-hmm. Why? Because uh, it felt like um, it feels like that's what matters in life. And as comics, we would talk a lot about. Um, I don't know if you ever had this type of conversation, but you kind of <clears throat> derided people who had kids because, well, anyone could do that. That's exactly what I said to you one time. I remember on your podcast, yeah. Uncomfortable Choice, I said, well, that's easy to do. Yeah. yeah. And there's the, with it, what's attached to that is, well, comedy or something akin to comedy is like, not everyone can do this. We're doing something special. We're making a mark. We're planting our flag in the, you know, in life. And yes, having a kid like does do that as well, but literally anyone or approximately everyone can have a kid. So 
it, it it takes away from the specialness of it and i think there's legitimacy to that to that view but i also think it undercuts that it's we're everything that isn't having a kid is just trying to replace having a kid <laughs> how what do you mean because the i think the the motivation to um To live a life larger than yourself, yeah. is, which is, I think, what something like stand-up is trying to do. Right. Um, a is, legacy, a mark. Yeah, it's to last, is a legacy. It's right. to last beyond your own time. Yeah. And having a kid is literally lasting beyond your own time. Right. And while it seems like a, well, it seems cheap because like literally, because anyone can do it, uh, that's the ultimate version. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. It's like, hey, you are, there's literally a piece of you still on this earth. <laughs> literally. <laughs> And whereas you want a figurative version of you still live walking the earth, right. which is what stand-ups and everyone really wants. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, you're just convincing yourself that this is better. And, like, don't get me wrong, it's entirely desirable. I get that desire. Yeah. But I think it's just a replacement for well, having a child. And it's partially that and partially just having the responsibility of becoming a fully realized person. Yeah. I mean, it, you can't. There's just a different. It's just a different life of taking responsibility, full, real responsibility, not just for yourself but for your family. Yeah. It is just like, well, I can just sleep until whenever, and will. Uh, do I want to write today? Eh, I think I'm just gonna play Spider-Man and then yeah. fuck around. Right. Which what? Which is what comics do. They just they just and then they're out for the, just themselves, and their actions only have an effect on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have legitimate repercussions for everything you do you're responsible for a family mm-hmm. yeah when you're day trading does it yeah do you think your day trading is would be different if you were a single guy would you be more risky uh i actually think i'd be less like i think that was actually a big problem for me because i was thinking so much about the money okay and i was thinking so much of i have to make this work and i have to make this work now where that's like the worst way to trade like the the, the worst way to trade is thinking about the money the best way to trade is thinking about the stats this thing about your the, the statistical probabilities getting the stats better and better yeah it's just like i'm i'm accepting that i'm gonna lose x percent of trades and that's gonna be okay whereas right. when you're thinking about the money it's like i can't lose yeah i'm not allowed to lose <laughs> and so you make stupid decisions both getting in and getting out of trades that you're not supposed to make and it just leads to everything going worse so it made things much more difficult for me i think that i felt this intense pressure which i put on myself but he doesn't put this on me at all yeah <laughs> uh, put this on myself to like i have to make this not only profitable but very profitable and very soon yeah and the more i detach myself from one this is going to happen because it's not going to happen soon if it happens at all and two uh everything's okay things aren't collapsing it's like you don't need to do this tomorrow you have time like that's when things started to open up a little bit when you think like thinking more long term instead of short term realizing that it's okay to lose because you're going to lose and realizing you don't need to win today you just need to win this year this month like this this decade right like i remember having a moment um you were you were too new for sully's being an open mic yep um but you know what it was no Okay. Well, Sully's was the big Thursday mic for a long time. <laughs> like, there was a big Thursday mic at one point. Right. By the time you started, there was no big Thursday yeah, mic, right. right? Like, like um, what's the what's the super loud bar? Uh, wait, it wasn't Lottie's. It was uh, super Dirk- loud. It was, was terrible. Was it Durkin's? Yeah. Yeah, that came around on Thursdays for a while. Yeah. Which looked like it was going to be a new mic, and then it just kind of became kind of shit. Oh, yeah. Because it was yeah, super yeah. loud. Yeah. But, like, when I first started, Sully's was kind of the... 
the lotties of Thursdays. The big one of the week where it's like everyone's there watching you. You better bring. Well, your I mean, good it's stuff. just it's just. I mean, it's like lotties. It's like there's the cool crowd that goes. Yeah, it's yeah. like the mic you care about. It's one of like the three or four mics you did care about. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of Sully's, it started getting bad and like, well, they kind of canceled us this week. And there was one of those. It was Kyle, Kyle Scanlon's mic. Okay. Um, and there was one time we were downstairs, and it used to be upstairs in the private room. And this was just downstairs. It was, I think it was like a holiday time, so obviously it was going to be bad. Yeah. And I just remember saying, like, while I was up there, like, this isn't about going well today. This is about going well three years from now. <laughs> like, this is not about the, these jokes working today. And I said this, like, just because I'm fucking around and throwing away a set. Yeah. But I remember, like, Seth Davis was there, and some other people were like, yeah, that's exactly what this is. Like, right. it's not about doing well in this moment. It's about doing well three years from now. It's about one more rep. Yeah. Yeah, but that's like that's a hair away from being like this is meaningless. What we're doing is meaningless, essentially. I mean, it isn't. It isn't. Like they're all just drops in the bucket. Yeah, but that's what progress is. Yeah. Like I th- think most people. I think the reason most people fail at most things is because they don't understand that. Uh, I mean, to use a cliche, it's a you know it's a marathon, not a sprint. But yeah. It's literally it's just one tiny step at a time, and you're gonna fail way more than you succeed. And yeah. but eventually, success happens when you just keep going. Yeah. And I, I do think that's what it is. So, keeping going. Speaking of that, you stopped doing stand up mm-hmm. at a certain point. Yeah, and you said it, you said you said to me earlier that it kind of like you kind of you kind of didn't have like a hard out. You kind of just like slowly faded. Yeah, I definitely slowly faded. The last show I did uh, was September of nineteen. I did Red. Um, and those guys booked me kind of out of the blue. I hadn't done a show in a, while, a few months, I think. And I I did that show knowing, like, this could easily be the last that I do. And it was? Uh, to this point, it has been, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I kind of approached it. Not, I don't want to say I would approach it that way. Um, but I wrote half my set that day. Cool. Uh, and it went well. Really? Uh-huh. Awesome. Uh, and it felt really good. And I there was a guy from the Paper Machete there who uh, some people are like, you should talk to the Paper Machete guy for years. And he's like, he's here. He's like, dude, I've been hearing about you for years. Why don't you do Paper Machete? And then I never heard from him. <laughs> um, uh, which is whatever. But at, at that time, I asked those guys, uh, the guy who run red, guys who run Red, like about recording an album there. They're like, absolutely. Oh, down there in that al- in that basement. Yeah, because I'm like, this is a show that's had me three times. They had me headline this the last one, and I've done well every time. They they think well of me. Like I had emailed CYSK about doing an album there, and they never responded. So I'm yeah. like, well, clearly, okay, I'm not going to beg these guys to do it there. Right. You don't want to. You don't want to. You don't want to turn a no into a yes for an album recording. You don't yeah. want to be like, we barely wanted to have. Like, yeah. We eventually like I'll let you do an album. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, if you they don't, if you, if you don't want me, you don't want me. Yeah. So uh, these guys would have me. So okay, who cares? Why don't I just do it here? And it was going to be, if it happened, would have been like spring of 2020, and then <laughs> it just was. It wasn't going to happen, especially with Ella being born. It was unlikely that this was going to all come together at yeah. that point. But yeah, I thought about that, and I still do think about that sometimes. Yeah, you like want to have that album. You I do. I want to have about the, that. Yeah, yeah, I want to have like uh, proof that I did this and I was pretty good at it. Yeah, and um, you were. You're very good. You're very well, funny. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but. Maybe that's just not going to happen. Maybe the clips I have are going to have to be good enough. You don't care? Um, I do care, but I don't know if I care enough yeah. to really make it a thing. Like, I went to, um, I visited New York in May of last year, May of 19. Um, uh, and I stayed with Tim. And I didn't even do any shows because I was too scared to ask them to book me. Right. Because, like, well, I haven't been doing it that much. I don't know how much I want to do it. I don't want you to, like, leverage favors to get me on something and it goes mediocre. Yeah. Um, 
And then I was there, and I, we watched some shows. I'm like, I can fucking steal this show right now. Of course. Like, I watched yeah. the show where it's like Drew Drew, uh, Drew Michael popped in, Liz, Lisa Traeger was on. I'm like, I could bury Lisa Traeger right yeah. now. Like, <laughs> give me a fucking break. Uh, like, And it was just like, man, maybe I should be doing this. Because like, it wasn't like, oh, man, I think I'm this amazing comic. But like, clearly, I can write jokes. I can hold my own. Yeah. yeah. And I left with the intention, of, okay, I'm going to start doing this thing where I work on like a new 10 minutes and try to record it like every two months where I don't know if you know who Andrew Schultz is yeah so I like I like his stuff a lot and I like his model just seems to be I'm just putting up clips all the time yeah and like okay why don't I do that not a special just clips right? yeah like short it, clips. instead of making it like I have to do an hour why don't I just make like a consistent stream of hey here's a five to ten minute clip every couple of months and it, that way it can be at least somewhat topical yeah. if I want it to be and like these are the specials I don't think people are as inclined to watch like a full hour as they are just like here's five, five, no, five minutes who Instagram. cares about it now I can I can't sit through my favorite comedian doing an hour yeah. at the time so it's like well, why not just do a five or ten minute chunk and record that once a month? Right. Put it on, every two months or whatever. You watch on your phone. Yeah, That's exactly. 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 That was the idea. Is like you right. just watch this on Instagram. Right. Uh, and then that lasted about two weeks before I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And that was in May. And that then was you... it like May and June. Yeah. Because you're not a quitter though. I'm so like you're not a quitter. You're a very persistent human being. So I'm surprised. I want to hear about the mentality you had as you were quitting. Which I mean, like you've been you've been quitting about as long as I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> Three or four years, uh, you've been like, eh, you know, you know, like it was going well, not getting what I want. Um, so how did that, how did that coalesce into action, into like the action of pulling away? Uh, uh, Max was a big influence. Max quitting. Uh, yeah, well, Max Friedman, previous guest. Mm -hmm. um, a big part of it, like everything changed when, uh, like, kind of my group left. Like my group was Sheen. Um, Primarily Sheen to a lesser extent, and then Tim kind of replaced at least in my uh, inner circle. Like Tim replaced him. Yep. Um, and like that group, mostly because that group was the first to really like that was like an established crew. That's like, oh yeah, Noodleman's good. But yeah, yeah, you're in. You're yeah. like the, the, like the, like like the mob thing. It's like he's a guy. He's yeah. made. He's, yeah. He's, Whereas he's like in. the rest of the scene like couldn't get like had wouldn't give me the time of day right. for the most part. At least in terms of booking, they would. They're like, no, Noodleman's good. You should have him. Yeah, put him on. Um, so I obviously glommed on to them. And I was friends with him. Like, I, it wasn't just like, hey, you like me. It was like, no, like, we're actually friends. Well, and that, and that I mean, in comedy, I feel like if you want a, a real friend, you need to both like each other's comedy. You, or at least respect it. Respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when Sheen left, everything started to change because part of it was like, there were definitely nights I was going to go out just because I know Sheen's going to go out. Yeah. And I'll probably see him here if I go out. Yeah. So I should go. Um, and I think that's a big part of... You I said group, and there's only one guy you've been mentioning. Sure, but it was like like Vegnetti yeah. was part of it. Yeah, and there were um, Tom Brady was part of it for yeah. a while while he was here. Alex Stone was a part of it for a while while he was here, and like so for that window there, it's like hey, of all these guys around me who are accomplished at least on a local level, who are all very well respected, I respect them, they respect me, right? And now you know you turn around and like oh they're all gone, and I mean so I'm starting over again, kind of. It it kind of is, and I mean I had Max. Yeah. Um. And then Max and he quit. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, there's a, I think a lot of it is unique. It's contagious. It is. I think, oh, I think behavior is absolutely social contagious. Yeah. Of course it is. Um, but I think uh, community like that is a really important part of getting good at anything and staying good at anything. Right. And just progress in general. And a big part, so that was a huge part. Like everything changed when Sheen and those guys left. And the more they left, the more 
my enthusiasm waned. Although yep. I was still doing stuff up until like Tim left, basically. Yeah. Like that's when I was doing like Laugh Factory spots. It was partially because Tim of Tim is I had an excuse now to go to fr- go to Laugh Factory every Friday to hang out because right. at least I know Tim's hosting. Yeah. So I have an excuse. I have a friend who's hosting. Yeah. And now I get to be there, show my face in front of Curtis. Two months of that, I started getting booked. Yep. Uh, and I was doing well. And then my mom got sick, and so I kind of lost my spot. Uh, and that's just it is what it is. Um, but the, I think the real reason is I started to realize over time was that, uh, the reason I was doing it was to feel like my life mattered. Yep. And that's a terrible reason to do anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not the well, it's wor- reason to do anything too. Yes and no. Uh, so I, what I felt like is if you're, so there's, I don't know how much you listen to like, professional stand-ups do podcasts where they at least part of it are imparting advice on newer comics love it a constant refrain i heard amongst them especially i think from canane especially is the one i think about is if you're doing this to make money or be famous quit now yeah yeah like it's a constant (laughs) refrain like whether it's in the verbiage or not yeah it's like you do not expect to make money doing this do not expect to be famous doing this do it because you love to do it yeah and i think doing it for uh, a level of validation that i was trying to do it for uh is just fame by another name it's just i wouldn't put it like local fame yes it's just some level of please people take me seriously and validate my my worth and my existence yeah yeah the respect it wasn't so much like i need to be on billboards or i need people across the country to know who i am it was more i need people to at least in my life know who i am at least in the community know who i am be a guy yeah Yeah, max told a story about like he went with a co-worker to an open mic after work and he walked in and everyone was like came over and started talking to him and treating him this way and the co-worker was like who the hell are you Mm -hmm. and he goes that feeling was what i was chasing it's like being famous among like 40 people Yep. Like the smallest amount of fame. Although it is, the, I'm sure it's the same, it's kind of the same juice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That you're getting from like, if you're like famous on a larger scale. I mean, that's what I was doing when I was uh, like really trying to be a professional magic player. Oh my God, it's the same I forgot thing. about being yeah. a magic player. It's the same thing. You it's, walk into the comic book store and 12 year old heads turn. Well, there's some adults, it's mostly adults <laughs> who play competitively. Sorry. But uh, in that community, like there are celebrities. There are absolutely celebrities. Right. Um, who make their money doing pl- play, it? Like, mostly they make their money now streaming. That's mostly where it is now. Streaming the magic games? Yeah, the magic games, yes. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's how it's called. What are they called? What are they called? <laughs> you just call it magic. You, oh, okay. you're streaming your games, whatever. Streaming it's fine. magic, yeah. Uh, but they'll just be on stream for six hours, eight hours, or whatever. That's how they make their money. Um, so people pay no. to watch the stream. Well, like I don't know. If, I'm assuming you've watched Twitch, Twitch at this yeah. point. Yeah, so you have subscribers. You have donators, whatever. Yeah. That's the business model now. Um, but there's still celebrities in this community, and... Once you achieve that status, everyone in that community cares about what you have to say because people are sycophants and people are sheep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so if you say, hey, you're a great magic player. Can you tell me where I should eat when I'm in town? Like, what do these two things have to do with one another? <laughs> but that's exactly who you ask. when. Oh, I'm going to be in Denver. Can you tell me where I should eat? Yeah, It's right. like, okay, so this guy gets to be... Uh, kind of descend from on high and say, hey, you should live your life this way. Yeah, yeah. And it's only to a, a, an audience of a couple thousand. Right. He's not, no one outside of that world will ever recognize these guys, but it doesn't matter. They, they're somebody. So I wanted that. I wanted right. to be somebody, even if it's a small community. Have followers. You're a leader. Yeah. You become a leader when you have all these Well, I would be a benevolent you. God, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am your God. <laughs> Try this burrito in Denver. <laughs> so I didn't want, so I decided like, that's just not a healthy thing for me to do. And I didn't okay, want, so, so I wanted decided, to drop anything that I was using that as a as a. But uh, so if you're deciding it's not healthy, uh, is that because? <clears throat> so like, a cynic would say, 
you decided it was unhealthy when you didn't get it, like the sour grapes thing. There like, is part of that for sure, and I do wonder where, what my, um, if I would have stopped, had I gotten farther faster. Right. Like, if you had gotten more of a fix, you know what I mean? Like you were getting a slow drip of mm -hmm. the validation that you needed, and you're like, this is not worth, the juice is not worth the squeeze. Sure. Um, and then, so, so you were able to see it, but if you got it, like, if you were, like, getting, like, a fucking fix off of it, getting high off of it, mm -hmm. uh, you think you wouldn't, you would have quit, you wouldn't have quit? I don't know. Um, I don't think I would have, I'd like to think I would not have been as devoted. Yeah. Um, but I think I'd still be around. Like, if people, if at my height, uh, of success, I was, like, getting booked constantly, and I was closing out shows more often than not, and when there were JFL editions, I was, of course, on the list, and all that kind of stuff yeah like all right i'd probably still keep doing it like maybe i'd keep i'd probably try to keep writing just so i had something new to talk about but i wouldn't be like this has to be what i do with my life yeah like i think of someone like drew freeze like i don't know how dedicated he is to stand-up still i know he's a kid i know he's had a kid for a while yeah um but he still does slots at laugh factory right it's a lot of the same jokes yeah. at least last i saw him um but something like that where it's like yeah you're still stand-up you're still good at this you still know how to have a successful set but i don't know how dedicated you are to doing this for the next 50 years it's a thing you do instead of a thing that you are yeah yeah some people like make it the thing that they are and they do it for like two or three years so mm -hmm. it's the thing that you are a lot of people do it like that and then very few make it the thing that they are for 10 15 years no i mean i feel like that's how i approached it yeah but i also saw why i feel like i got pretty good at it is i i decided i had to be yeah and i got pretty good at it how do you view how do you view that time in your life looking back now is it a waste was it a productive in any sense I don't know. I mean, yes to both. Uh, it wasn't a waste. Like, I don't think anything you, you like dedicate yourself to and like get good at is a waste, even if you don't end up using that skill yeah. directly. Um, <clears throat> it was very rewarding in a lot of ways because I got to get good at something. I got to see people... Uh, I got to prove people wrong, which is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, although <laughs> I also think that's a, that's a very childish way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd you prove wrong? Well, a ton of people who were like wrote me off and like clear. Like I, there's a, a moment I, I think about where I was at Four Trays, uh, which was a shitty open mic on Tuesdays, ran by the Jeffs. Yep. Uh, and I was there like I don't know 1 a.m. or something. And there's six people in the room. One of them's Adam Burke. And I get on stage and Adam Burke literally just he's sitting up front. And he just literally turns his chair around. <laughs> and there's like no one in the in room. The, turns and, lo and looks at what? Just he behind him. <laughs> and it's not like he just glances over his shoulder. He just turns his chair around and looks the other way because he can't watch me. <laughs> and then a couple years later, I'm doing a set at Laugh Factory and like he's coming up to me like, dude, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and he does not even really remember that he turned his chair around. No, probably. I'm sure he doesn't. Yeah. But it's like stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you thought nothing of me. Yeah. I've, I, do, I, do, I do love that feeling where someone t comes up and goes, you know, I, I didn't... Uh, be like, wow, I, I didn't... Uh, and no, you like, were any good, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that happened to me a bunch of times. They're being nice. Yeah, 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 they're being nice. But what they're saying is, I thought you were bad, but you're good. And that's a great feeling. That's the first time I got Chuck, is I got it because I did Parlor Car. And I think it was Deanna Ortiz or Stephanie Weber, one of the two of them, not both like, oh, you were actually, you were good. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did Parlor Car before I did Chuck, which is not how the order is supposed to go at all. Not, oh, not, the, system, not the way the yeah. system works. So and I did Parlor Car because of uh, Tim. There you go. Personal recommendations. Yeah, he's like, Maddie, you got to book Joe. He's like, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Then they did. Um, so you don't think of it as a waste. You think of it as a experience of learning a new skill, getting involved with something different, and like getting good at it, which is a universal sort of skill set. Everything is everything. Had I not done it, 
Um, it would have been a lot more StarCraft. <laughs> StarCraft? What, what is that? A computer game? Oh, you don't even know what StarCraft is? I No. Yes, it's a computer game. Um, but it's, <laughs> it would have been a bunch of more time wasted because prior to stand-up, I had pretty much done nothing productive. Um, what age to what age? I think starting in like 07. <laughs> Wait, when you were seven? Oh seven. Oh seven. Thank from like from okay. two thousand seven to two thousand twelve, I just so that was um, about twenty four until about twenty eight, twenty nine. I just didn't. I did effectively nothing. You had a job and you just like I paid my bills. Um, I was largely I was the, the first year or so I was depressed uh, due to a relationship ending, and that's where the long hair came from. Um, and, <laughs> Great head of hair on Joe Noodleman. Thanks. And then super long. And then uh, it just became I don't know what to do. There's a lot of like uh, false starts at film projects. Yeah. Um, with making friends. your own films. Uh, with friends. Yeah. Like there were for there was a very short lived experiment where it's like hey we, we, there's like a dozen of us why don't we come together and write and make a movie yeah and you get through three meetings and you're like well we don't like the script that we approved because we all just settled on it and yeah. none of us really wanted to make this project and none of us are going to be uh, happy unless we're directing it so it just isn't going to happen yeah uh, so it didn't happen. Oh, yes. that's a very common it's so common in, uh, we yeah. did a we did a um, a comedy website for a few years which fell apart mostly because it just took so long to get going what was on it was it like writing or was it videos uh, there's sketches there were uh, articles we did like a fake products catalog we put a lot of time into we did comic strips what's a fake product catalog so uh there's like um so one of them was a fraser pointer it was a laser pointer that says phrases and you could choose from cleveland wins or bird poison <laughs> <laughs> cleveland wins or bird poison that, yeah. that's the joke that there's only two phrases and yeah, they're well, like useless I, I, yeah <laughs> and so it's a pro so it's a catalog full of products like that i don't remember all of but them. you can't buy them no it's just a joke catalog. yeah yeah yeah. yes gotcha catalog yeah i never that's not a comedy uh thing i've ever heard of is fake product catalog yeah that's why it failed yeah <laughs> or maybe it could have been the new thing No, i think we did like a lot of good stuff it's just we lost steam because there was four guys trying to do it together and it took two years to get launched and cleveland then, wins or bird poison mm -hmm. cleveland wins. that's just the one product i remember <laughs> There was a mice dice, which is just di which is just mice with uh, six dots painted on sets of dots painted on the side of them. Mice dice. Mm -hmm. You couldn't roll them. They're fake. It's a fake mouse. It's like with caution. Six mice may bite. Yeah, dice six. may bite. Yeah. It's a real mouse. Yeah, it's just a real mouse with dice with drawn dice. on the side. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to roll. Yeah, it's hard to find. So there's good stuff on there. There's bad stuff on there too. That's, yeah, that's a, a game you don't want to play. There's a lot of content. So that just like that was something that for a few years I'm like oh this is what we're gonna do is a continuation of what we did in college. Okay. Because we did a we did a comedy. You went to film school? Yeah, we went to my thesis, uh, which I kind of glommed onto with a buddy of mine. Uh, did a sketch comedy like half hour show. Oh, cool. Um, and so that was it ended up being really good, um, at least contextually. Is that on YouTube now? Um, some of the sketches are from the website we try to launch. Like we cannibalize some of our sketches from that show. Um, I have. I have the DVD of it, but I don't have. It's not the, <laughs> the whole half an hour is not up online. I have the DVD of it, but like we try to continue that. We made another episode after college, uh, and then we try to just well, we just do individual sketches instead of this full half hour. Which makes show. sense, yeah. yeah, more sense. Um, and like some of those are really good, and we just you and you're still proud of them. You still like them? Yeah, there's still some of them that are legitimately good. What there's, was your favorite? 
Like, I, I like hearing you describe these weird old comedy things. That's why I want to keep trying. Old comedy things? Old, yeah. <laughs> it's old weird that described comedy as old. Things. Yeah. yeah, I guess. But, like, in your past, yeah. Um, we did, like, the, the the most memorable one, the one we did in college, was we did, uh, it's called Triple Xmas, which was an action movie based, uh, Santa's an action hero. Gotcha. So he's going on killing a drug, going breaking into a drug lab and blowing it up. Sure. And so we did, like, for college kids, we did, like, minor effect work. We hired an okay. effects guy, and we did, like, real squibs and real little flashbangs and stuff like nice. that. Nice. And it was cool. I mean, it's very low budget, and you can tell. Yeah. But for college kids, it was really fun. Right, And right. really cool that we did that. Oh, I love a squib shot. Squibs so are So it was, better. like, super cloud, you know, crowd-pleasing, and, like, we loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, it was like the, the, the crown jewel of that episode. So The what? The crown jewel, crown jewel of that episode. Of that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you were doing comedy. Wait, so you didn't start stand-up until you were, like, in your late 20s, then? 29. 29. Well, if my first set was technically 28, but I didn't really commit until 29. Are you 40 now? I'm 37. 37? Sorry. You said you said 40s earlier when you were off. Some, a guy I know is 40. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I assume <laughs> <'cause> you just... <laughs> <laughs> I assume you, yeah, if you're 40, you go out to other 40 year olds and, mm -hmm. uh, yep. and, uh, yeah, drink wine. Drink wine, yeah. yeah. Um, of course. Uh, how did it feel to have a baby? Loud. It felt loud. I mean, it was a very surreal experience. Like, it's hard to describe. Because you're cynical, and so it's fun to, oh, I want to hear. <laughs> but cynical is good insofar as these, describing these, like, major life things that everyone's gonna be schmaltzy about um i mean i can be schmaltzy but i'm not one of those people like there's a lot of people like the moment you see your baby everything changes like that's not true i want to hear uh, yeah, yeah so yeah i want to hear about that from your point of view what was that moment uh it was like oh, okay this is a real thing now um here she is she's screaming um it, it begins yeah and I mean, it, it's not like I was, like, scared or felt bad. It's not like I'm like, oh, God, I have to do this now. But people uh, describe it as though you can't imagine anything else before this moment. It's like, no, right. I can totally imagine what it was like before she was born. <laughs> That's right, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have a problem with connecting with that version of me at all. Yeah, okay. Oh, I still don't. You don't feel like a totally different guy? Um, yes and no. Like, I'm a dad, so like I get down and play with her on the floor and make her giggle, and I like, that's the best part of the day is like when you get to make her laugh. That's the best. Um, but it's not like seeing her for the first time um, made everything before it seemed like shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was still like it's still a seminal moment in life, and I'm never gonna forget it. Yeah, and it's still very important, and I still, uh, I'm still. I, I'm trying to use avoid using the word cherish, but I guess I would say I cherish that moment. Yeah. But it's not like, oh my God, everything is everything is perfect now. How did it compare to what you expected it to be like? Fast. Faster. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> um, we induced. Uh, Becky got to like the day of the due date, and then she wasn't. They're like, all right, we're gonna induce tomorrow. So you had like a scheduled birth. Yeah, we went yeah. to the uh, to the hospital. All right, we're coming home with the baby. Uh, right, like, it wasn't. Like, it went, she wasn't in labor when we went. It wasn't like the thing where it's like it's happening, Joe, nope, and nope. you rush her yeah. into the car. Like, nope. uh, yeah. Uh, so we thought it was gonna like they give her whatever they give her to induce, and then we thought it's like all right, it's gonna take till morning, and then like two hours later it started. Whoa! And then labor lasted a long time. And it's how like, long? Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say it didn't last that long. Frankly, it went, she went to labor at like eight p.m. and by she was born at like eleven a.m. So it wasn't that long. All I night. Say, yeah. I shouldn't say that. It was not very long. There, there are labors that last like a day and a half. Yeah. Um, 
but it got to the point where like all right joe you should go to bed because there's no point in you like it's getting late it's not gonna happen tonight it'll happen tomorrow morning so you should just go to sleep do you go to sleep in one of those chairs in yeah the it's very uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't they think of that like i don't know. gonna sleep here i don't understand do they fall all the way all, do they fall all the way down or no they just it's like an armchair uh they it depends on which room you're in the yeah. late the the um the room in the obg ward like was not it it was just like a chair that kind of flows out a little bit yeah in in the our actual like maternity ward room it was like all right this is kind of a couch that folds out okay it's just not very good uh and it's way too short i don't know why and i'm not that tall i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why you can't make a six foot long one but it seems pretty dads are that, gonna be sleeping yeah, here yeah. it's a maternity ward dads um, are gonna come here to watch their baby be born but i fell asleep around like i don't know like midnight or whatever and apparently i slept through the whole thing where shut up where where the, the whole ba- thing? No, no, no. Where okay. uh, Ella's heart rate was crashing. And like, okay, we have to, they, a bunch of, te- a big medical team came in. Like, we're going to have to operate right now and go While get her. While she's still inside. Yeah. While she's still, yes. And I'm asleep. And I apparently I slept the whole thing during that whole episode. And they didn't In the same get, room? They didn't, yes. Like, f- three feet away. <laughs> and they, they didn't actually go in and operate then. They they said, okay, she's fine. Heart rate came back up. And then when I woke up in the morning, okay, we're going to schedule you for a C-section now because the heart rate keeps doing this thing every time there's a contraction. So we're going to go get her. Wow. So I woke up and like, okay, you have to put on scrubs now because you're going to go into the operating room uh, and sit next to your wife, which is now a head because the rest of her is covered up. Wow, yeah. And your wife <laughs> is now a head. <laughs> is that what you say when she's in bed with covered up to her? You're a head now. What an odd way to, th- to think of it. She's now a... Well, this, this, is my, this is my head wife and that's yeah. all she is. It was that in a hand. That's all that, I was, like, that's all that was exposed. <laughs> oh, the rest is like covered by like a sheet? Well, yeah, there, it's a gown and then there's a big sheet that's like really tall okay. so because th- they don't want like they don't want her to see what's happening and they yeah yeah they don't want you to see what's happening either so yeah so they just bring uh you just hear the screams and you see the baby come around from the side of it whoa okay so it was all like i i woke up and like all right i guess there's gonna be a baby here now uh and then there she was and then i'm rubbing her head as they're stamping her feet and taking the footprints and giving her her first shot or whatever i don't remember what they were doing uh and it's just yeah this is all very quick it's all unceremonial like, okay. You feel of it. You think of it uh, in the abstract. It's like, well, you, because there's so much ceremony attached to these things in our lives. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, you have a shower and you make a big deal about every single moment, and then it happens. Like, no, it just happened. Well, yeah. That like, think like about the fr- like, think about the first time you did stand up. Right. Did it feel ceremonial at all? No. Like up to it, it probably did. Yeah. And then you do. It's like that was it. It's that like was that. it. Every first, every like big moment in your life is, as my experience, is more or less like that. You can be schmaltzy and mawkish about it and really, and sometimes there's an opportunity for it, especially something like, say, a wedding where there's more than enough chance to reminisce right. in the moment. About well, that's, what probably, is that's why they have ceremonies is because like, well, this, is, this can't just pass without yes. being remarked upon. Yes. Everyone should get up and say something that we're all going to try to remember. Yeah. And we should like have like music and like a dance. Like that, we all kind of like have something to look at and cry at. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's like when someone dies. Sorry to bring that up with your baby, but like, <laughs> uh, it's like a funeral. It's like okay, that person's dead. Okay, so now we need a, a time and a place for all all of us to come together and understand that they're dead and think about it, and then listen to music and try to cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you're trying to like you're trying to like crystallize these moments because they are so unceremonious. I was just thinking about like, of course, it's not ceremonious. It's like this is the person who delivered a baby. It's like it's number. It's like number you know whatever 400 yeah. yeah it's their thursday yeah. yeah so that's what it was like it was just this happened now 
and you anticipate it being a bigger deal than it is and it just i mean it's a huge deal obviously life-changing but in the moment it's just a thing that happens yeah and now instantly everything changed from all right uh we're not sleeping now i guess yeah because in the hospital there was just like no sleep especially for becky it was really hard for her for the first like couple days because she stayed after oh she barely slept for like three straight days oh my god and then even after we got home it was really like uh, it was pretty colicky um until like month four or five not sleeping through the night like oh she hours. still doesn't really um but like to the point where i mean like uh she would just cry for like three hours <laughs> and it's like in the middle of the night no all, anytime oh, okay jesus um and it wasn't like constant but like once it started like we don't know how to stop this we're feeding her we're she doesn't like we're giving her there's over-the-counter stuff you can give her um she, is like, colic a disease it's, no. no, it's not a disease. It's, it's just like a, it's just something that some kids go through. What is it? Uh, they don't like. That's literally how they would describe it. <laughs> like you, you call up a doctor. Like, yeah, that'll do that. And it's like I was calling you for help, and they're this like is upset? all you. This is li- no. The, like the baby is upset. Yes, they're very upset. It looks like they're in pain, but there's no reason for pain. Yeah. Like maybe they're. You you start looking at well, what are you, like what is Becky eating? Maybe she's eating something that's going through the breast milk, and we don't know. Maybe it's causing gas, and just, we we have no idea. And it's just no you one. You still knows. don't. It nobody, wasn't like nobody turns knows. out it was this. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just you have to deal with this for however long, and it usually ends around month four or five, which is when it did, and then. Things started to get easier, but until then, like sleep, especially for Becky, was really terrible for months. Yeah. Oh my God. But like, the hospital was the worst. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was constant crying, obviously, and then also constantly people coming in and out of the room. So it was it was a really terrible stay in the hospital. Um, how do you? So like, uh, what advice would you give yourself now with the hindsight? of the first year what advice would you, would you give yourself on that first day december of 19, 2019 i actually haven't thought about that is there anything you've learned just to stay calmer not that i like i have like an anger problem um <clears throat> but those first few months especially it was really difficult to stay calm you were getting angry or like frustrated? Uh, oh, there were definitely times I like I punched the wall. I mean, mostly I punched like a door, so I didn't damage anything. What happened that day? Uh, this happened several times. <laughs> but it's just it, what was the what was the reason? Well, it's mostly because she just it's constant screaming, and I, yeah. I you don't know what to do. And you, yeah. part of it is like you feel helpless because you are helpless. There's right. literally nothing you can do, and you're just holding a screaming child. Right. It's like it's like you're in a down, flame with a baby and it's screaming, but that's your life. Yeah, but just, like, not if you, one flight. You put her down, it's even worse. So you have to hold her. But like now you're just holding the screaming thing right as close to you as you possibly can, and it's incredibly jarring. And then you compound it with like it usually was tied to me with me like how well trading was going or not going. Okay. So if I was had a good day, like all right, this is easier for me to take. If I had a bad day, it's like everything in life is collapsing, and now I have this. <laughs> and what the fuck am I gonna do? So just trying to remove yourself in the moment and remember one this is all going to be okay in the long run uh, you know ostensibly but two there's getting upset in the moment it solves literally nothing and right. there's all it does is like gives you a, a moment to vent but you're not helping the situation you can only make it worse oh my god um 
but I don't know if there's anything I would have done demonstrably different in the in the last yeah. year. It's just your attitude of accepting it being more calm. Yeah, I mean, I think everything that was going on in the world also exacerbated even more. Wow. Okay. Right. So uh, when the pandemic hit, she was three, four months old. Yeah. Did that make it harder? Oh, of course. I mean, that made it harder. Uh, I mean... Were you both already home anyway? Because you kind of work from home, right? Yeah, I was already home enough. Like, I started getting some work in January, and then that all died. Um, like video editing work? Yeah. Where you went to an office and left? Yeah, I had an office where I've um, been freelancing out of for more than, like, for over a decade. Oh, you had a freelance office? Well, I worked for a guy. Okay, right. Uh, as, a free, as, a, as a freelancer. And I had clients through him. And I also, uh, he, he, I have a really good relation with that guy. He's super nice. He's like, anytime you need to use this for any of your own stuff, feel free to come in. That's great. So I had personal clients where I was like, all right, well, here's an office where I can meet you. Or my system here is too outdated. I'm going to go down, down yeah. and use that one. It's got like a like a mon- monitors and computers. And yes, there are definitely computers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It's not just a room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I had that in January, and then it started to die off. And then Becky was on maternity leave, and she extended maternity leave because things were going pretty pretty rough. Um, With the baby? Yeah. Just because... Colic? Uh, yeah. And uh, I think she was going to go back at the beginning of March, and then everything got extended, what was, what was happening, so you don't have to come back right away. And then she actually went part-time, so that made it easier in, in that capacity. Um, but I went from staying home, like, 80% of the time to staying home 100% of the time. Right. Like it was dramatically right. different. Um, but yeah, mostly things kind of got out of control for me with like all the, the rioting and all that, where I got started getting panicked about everything. About like, because you're in a city and you're worried <laughs> that this unrest might affect you guys personally. Oh, yeah. I get scared of safety. Becky. Like, I mean, less so now, but like Becky works on the south side uh, at a hospital. And like, it's not that that's a rough neighborhood, but it's adjacent to rough areas. Yeah. Um, and I'm worried about her driving down there. Yeah. And like when things were really bad downtown they were raising the bridges downtown i don't know if you know about this yeah yeah so they you and curfewing and stuff yeah Yeah, it was a weird year so there were nights where it's like it usually takes her half an hour to get home but take her 90 minutes yeah because everything is backed up everywhere because you closed off down to access to downtown which is she would take lakeshore and she can't um and so there were nights where it was just really crazy like that and especially in the beginning it was i was really worried like what the hell is happening yeah you think that, yeah, like a collapse of society? Oh, yeah. Worried? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still think we could get there, but... And you're kind of that guy. Mm-hmm. You're a little, you're a little, you're always looking at towards the, like, the perhaps the end. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I would not be surprised if that happens. I just don't know how soon it's going to happen. Okay. What do you mean, the collapse of society? The collapse of civilization as we've known it at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Oh, I know. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's not, not wonderful, all... but exciting, uh-huh. you know? Oh, yeah, you want to witness the end? I mean, I, no, no, no. But uh, for some reason you said that, and I was like, whoa, yeah. It could all fall down. Does that make every moment more precious? I guess, I guess, yeah. Like, right. yeah, you're like, we're really living here, man. We're yeah, in, we're doing a podcast. We're doing a <laughs> podcast, bro. I mean, nothing could be more important. Uh, but, like, we're living, like, the, the feeling of living in history, living through an important historical moment. Do you like that idea? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you just went from yes to no. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. No, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. Like it's like hard to label it as good or bad, right? But it's like uh, it's a privilege to witness personally. It, it lends uh, grandeur to 
an insignificant life if you're in the middle of if you're living it in the middle of something important i mean i can see that perspective but i can also i think most people who i there's like a i don't want to call it a proverb but there's an old i think chinese saying like kind of a curse like may you live through interesting times yeah 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 exactly that, that was bandied about quite a lot this year is yeah. uh, the curse of living in interesting times yeah. and they were interesting and that wasn't great a lot of it yeah um do you feel useless as a dad like um mothers are so important dads are less important in this stage especially or no is that a misconception there's a little of that uh there's definitely been sections of time where periods of time where uh clearly ella prefers becky right um but she's also yeah. you're just a guy that's what i'm saying it's like she's the mother with the milk sure um but that comes and goes and there's like she's still very happy to see me pretty much all the time right and we still play together and still great um is she walking yet? What's this? What's the one-year-old do? She could be walking, but she's not yet. Okay. Like she's in the range. I'm hoping she doesn't yet. Um, just because we, we were trying to buy a house and that fell through. Okay. Um, so we're still looking to move. I would love it for her not to walk until we move, but that's where I don't think we're moving in the next month or two. So it's probably going to happen. Oh wow. Um, so she'll probably start walking. She she's crawling over everything. So she's at the point where she's and she can stand, but she can't take a step. Okay. Um, so that's coming any week now. Because, like, at that point, you have to start, like, baby-proofing stuff. Is that what you're concerned about? Uh, it's just our apartment's not that big. Okay. And she has no space to run around. And then it changes your dynamic as a parent completely because uh, right now it's like, all right, I can just put you on the play mat, run to the bathroom, be back, you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, you'll be right there. Like, so long as it's like, I'll be back in 30 seconds. Yeah. I'm not going to leave her alone for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but now, oh, you can so walk. So number one. You're going to go number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, usually she crawls over to say hi. <laughs> um, but, like, if she can walk, like, uh, that's off the table. Yeah. Like, you got to go in the playpen. You got to have her in a cage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I call it the elitentiary. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So for the future, you're thinking of buying a house somewhere. Oh yeah, we we had an offer in a house, and then where was the house? Uh, do you know the suburbs at all? Sorta. Of. Okay, it's a far suburb north. Which what is it called? Long Grove. Okay. <laughs> I'm like oh, from a foreigner. I'm not I don't know. know. Like, what's the point? The, the, I, and I'm not the only one who's listening. People are listening. You know. Yeah, sure they are. So, sensibly, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It's yeah. A, my mom knows where it is. Maybe who knows? Oh, that's nice. My parents' mom. <laughs> Uh, Long Grove, mm -hmm. which is far. Is that an hour? Uh, it's take from here to there is about forty-five minutes. Good schools. Uh, high school is really good. Okay, so you have, you have you have some time before you need to move there. <laughs> well, there's parts of that area where like the, the elementary schools are great, and part where they're not. Right. Okay. So, um, again, another kid. Uh, at this point, I think no. Only child. Uh, I mean, I think both Becky and I would like the, like the idea of Ella having a sibling and also just having another kid. But I don't think Becky's going to go for having another one. <laughs> uh, if we did, it would be an adoption, which I'm not sure if I'm going to go for that. But okay, we'll why not? Oh, okay. if you want, if you don't mind getting into it. Um, I just think it's a different desire. Like, uh, like I had this argument with my fight with my sister about this a couple of years ago. She's like, we can always adopt because we weren't sure we we're going to have like kids. it's the same thing. She's like, it is the same thing. I mean, it's not, not the same thing. She's like, it is the same thing. I'm like, it's not the same thing. Like, it's literally a different thing. Um, <laughs> how do you, how well, do you, because there's a difference between the, uh, wanting to, um, uh, raise a child versus be a father. Go on. Well, like this is, um, there's a selfish aspect of this is part of my genetic material yes. and I can see myself literally in this person and um, there's 
regardless of what we agree on or disagree on, there will undeniably forever be a connection between the two of us. Genetically, right. Yes, and that I think that goes beyond just, hey, um, we kind of look a little bit of like, but there's part of what makes you you is also part from me. That, isn't that crazy? You're going to see her deal with the like similar mental thing that hope you not, dealt with, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but like when it's a, when it's an adopted child, like you'll get some of that, but it's all behavioral, right? Like there's nothing deeper than that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with adopting kids; it's great, right? Like I I don't think less of it at all. It's just less appealing to me. And you can just admit that. Yeah, I just it's, said it. <laughs> yeah, but like, doesn't it feel um, uh, faux pas to say it's not the same? You know what I mean? It's not the same. It's not the same. But uh, if it, if feel... it was the same thing, you wouldn't have to go through the process of adopting. You could just go get a kid. <laughs> you could just go get one. Well, yeah, it's a different thing. But uh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Aren't you worried? About, doesn't it paint you as like callous or selfish? Oh, I, sure. Yeah. But I think everyone, you have to be at least a little selfish. And it's not that I'm saying I'm, I'm opposed to adopting. I'm not saying that at all. In general, but for yourself. No, even yeah. for myself, I'm not opposed to it. Okay. It's just I, my desire is less for it. Yeah. My, my desire for it is less than my desire to be an actual father. Yeah. To have my own child. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying, I could totally see us adopting a kid and being thinking yeah. it's great. But uh, it's not something like we have to do this. Whereas Does it like, cost money too? Oh yeah, it's, it costs. I think five figures, generally speaking, to Oh adopt. man! But like, had we not been able to, uh, had we not been able to actually get pregnant, maybe we would have adopted. Maybe right. not. But it's like very much on or off the table. Whereas, oh, if we can get pregnant, we're actually gonna, we're, we're gonna, gonna do absolutely it. do it. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, and it's free, baby. Well, so far we haven't gotten the hospital bill yet. Yeah, <laughs> really? Yeah. Which is strange. From the birth? Yeah. <laughs> do you think they forgot? I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten the bill yet. Yeah. I haven't gotten the bill yeah, yet. Can you not release this for a while? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're scouring your interviews. Yeah. <laughs> or just a casual fan works at the hospital. Yeah, That'd exactly. be great. We haven't billed this guy? Let's That'd be <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so sorry if you if you got <laughs> as a result of this podcast. The, con the consequence is not some comic hearing his name and being like, I'm not like Doug Stanhope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hospital, <laughs> a hospital administrator, like, hell yeah. What to make oh, what to make eight grand. Oh, the, the the sweet circle of life. That would be if Bob Keen cost me money. <laughs> he works in the hospital. He's gonna really. He's gonna. Oh, I hope not. Maybe like his aunt does, and he goes. You know, I'm gonna look into this now. I mean, I wouldn't have if he didn't call me Doug Stanhope knockoff. But I didn't say he was a knockoff. I just said he was doing an impression. An impression, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I only use different words. Mm -hmm. um, so, are you looking forward to the rest of Ella's life, and how? Of course, you're looking forward to it. But like, well, how? I hope I don't see the end of it. But yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I'm scared. Of what? Of uh, I mean, one. What if I fuck up? Because it's gonna happen. How? Yeah. Um, but uh, what if I raise her wrong? What if I say the wrong thing or the right? Because well, you do this. Um, like, what if I said the wrong thing and then ten years later that manifested in this sort of problem? Yeah. Because you don't know what's gonna trigger what thing. But you can't know that. So obviously, there's no point. In how are you? But yeah, how are you guarding against that? No, I'm just not gonna talk to her. Yeah, <laughs> on that way. <laughs> that way, kids, anything wrong? A lot of dads pull that move. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. They're very smart. Yeah, smart. <laughs> That's a smart money. That's a smart money. Is that, yeah, if you don't say anything, if you just leave, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Can't fuck her up if you're not there. <laughs> 
Mike Perbilia in his show, the new one, have you seen the new one? No. Nope. He said that he, the big reveal is he understands why dads leave. Because he was like scared and he felt useless and he felt overwhelmed by the responsibility. Um, and he missed his old pointless life or whatever. Um, do you feel like you understand why dads leave? Oh, all that resonates. Okay. I've thought about that exactly. Okay. I mean, not in those terms, but I felt like I totally get why dads would leave. Yeah. Like, I would never do that. Yeah. But I get it. And I'm much more sympathetic. I was always sympathetic towards it, but I'm much more sympathetic towards it now. Sympathetic? Like, I don't think highly of those guys at all. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I, but from a human um, emotional perspective, I totally get it. Yeah. And I get people who make poor decisions based on their emotional impulses. Yeah. Like, I try to be as understanding of people who do things I wouldn't do as much as I can. Um, I like to think that uh, people aren't bad. It's their ideas and their actions are and try to separate those two That's things. That's great. So I try not to think like, oh, this person who wronged me is a bad person. I think of, well, they did a really shitty thing. And I think if you do enough of those things and you're aware they're bad things, it starts to make you a bad person. You might as well be, yeah, you might as well be a bad person doing all these bad things. And you're aware of it. Like if you're aware what you're doing is shitty and you're still doing it, okay, that's different. But if you're just like, like I I had this conversation a lot with uh, Max about Sam Priest where people, I mean, we're just going to do it. Like people talk about Sam Priest is is an asshole. Yeah. And Sam Priest acts like an asshole a lot. (laughs) Uh, But I've, I've talked to Sam. I know he's like, no, deep down he's a good guy. Me too. I agree. He doesn't know he's doing things that are just way inappropriate yeah i don't think he understands that yeah and so i'm like well he's a good guy and max he's a good guy who doesn't know how to behave sometimes yeah and max is like well he does it often enough that he just becomes the asshole right and i'm like i disagree with that i disagree with max's point like no i think if your intention is to be a good person you just don't know how all right well that's unfortunate and there's like there's like there's a disconnect there somewhere and that's to be blamed the the disconnect between and you have responsibility for your actions at at some point but like to label somebody as an asshole altogether i agree it's almost like but but if you take that to the nth degree then almost nobody is a bad person almost no one's an asshole it's like what's like what five percent yes and no I mean, I think I think that's true. I think most people, it's it's um, uh, what's the word I was going to use? Uh, it's satisfying to think of people as bad because then you get to be good. Yes. Uh, but if you are honest, it's like no, most people are capable of doing good and shitty things, including you. And I think the whole label of this is a terrible person is reserved for people who are truly terrible, and those people are the ones who know that what they're doing is bad, and they do it anyway, knowing full well it's bad the entire time they do it. So as a rule of thumb, you think they are good? I don't know. They're not good, that they're not bad. Yes, I don't think the moniker of good and bad is, I think it's way too liberally applied. I think very few people fall into either category. Yeah, yeah. It's the same thing of uh, how many sets are good, how many sets are bad. It's like very few are very good, very few are very (laughs) bad, most are fine, and you're probably one of those fine ones yeah like maybe you're one of the better fine ones like maybe you don't cheat on your significant other like ever yeah but you still probably do some shit you're not supposed to do exactly yeah and okay you're not perfect All right, that was Joe. Pretty profound, pretty interesting guy. Um, here's an interesting fact about Joe is that he's politically conservative, and um, I knew that. I didn't really want to get into it and talk about it on air. Uh, we did end up talking about it a little bit towards the end of the conversation that we had on the mics, um, but it, w- it was just such a, like a, a, a jarring left turn from the conversation that we had about family and about purpose and about comedy. 
and day trading. And uh, so I just chopped off at the end. It was making me all nervous. I feel I felt like I didn't represent my own socialist views very well, or and like I didn't you know represent the the views of my friends who protested and uh, all the stuff over the summer. Anyway, if you feel like hearing me and Joe talk about that, send me a message. I can send you that audio, but I don't think it fits. Um, the interview, so I cut it out. Uh, it was like 20 minutes of um, kind of political talk. It's kind of charged with the political uh, stuff of the time. But um, he's an interesting guy. He's a conservative guy. Um, it's kind of interesting to be friends with a conservative and a Republican or whatever, however he identifies, and kind of uh, see how that works. But anyway, um, uh, thanks for listening. Once again, our 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 logo was designed by Mr. Rudy Schultz. And our theme song is by Steve Gerard. Steve Gerard's new band, Crown Blue. Check out Crown Blue. Um, thanks again for listening. See ya.